Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Happy Mother's Day. I am Labriska Ingalls. Everybody around here calls me Bree. And uh, I am, my husband and I are the family ministry pastors, so we mostly do the children's ministry stuff. And I am used to speaking to them a lot, but you guys make me nervous. <laughs> so if you guys could please all act like kids, that would help. Uh, yes, exactly. Rusty was picking his nose. That's what I need. Lots of awkward questions. Yes, this. I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. All of that. (laughs) Thank you for making me feel comfortable. (laughs) So it is Mother's Day, and I am the proud mother of four babies I begged God for forever. Anyone who ever uh, walked with me through that journey to get there, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I needed those babies, and I'm thankful for them. And uh, Judah, was real, my oldest, is seven, and he was so sweet to present me my Mother's Day gift. And it was a little note, and it said, My mom is a good mom because she lets me do anything I want. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me at all. Uh, and then it said, and she's really nice, but not always. <laughs> it's, it was off to a great start. <laughs> so we took a canoe trip yesterday. Uh, that was my Mother's Day wish. Um, my, my husband bought me a canoe, uh, I think, five years ago. And it's the second time we took it out. Um, and the last one was on a, my birthday. But we, we strapped it to the top of our van, and on the way there, it flew off of the van. And so we haven't taken it back out yet. But we bought a trailer, a little trailer to strap it on. And you guys, we made it all the way there and all the way back. Uh, and I only had to try to back that thing up twice. So it was a, a miracle day, the best Mother's Day gift ever. Um, and this is the second time, well, eh, second time Adams asked me to preach here. And the last time was two years ago, on like literally on my birthday. So he like has this thing for making me work on my special days, you know. And uh, the last time I preached here, I preached on um, the Virgin Mary getting pregnant and going through that journey, and I didn't know this, but I had a surprise baby, number four, in my belly at the time. I found out like two weeks later, and I told Andrea Giordano, my friend that you all prayed for a couple weeks ago that's gone, just to Tennessee. She didn't die. (laughs) I I told her about this. She's okay, everybody. I just miss her. Hi, Andrea. <laughs> um, I, I told her about this. I was like, can you believe I preached on the, the, like, the Immaculate Conception, and then I had this surprise baby. She goes, you won't believe this, but that exact same thing happened to me two years before, or a year, yeah, two years before that. She preached on the Virgin Mary, 
and they had a surprise baby. So you guys, I am not preaching about Mary today. (laughs) This is going to be the Mother's Day gift to you is that I am not going to preach about women submitting to their husbands. I am going to, but I am. Did you all grow up like that? At my church, they preached on that every Mother's Day, like, thanks a lot. (laughs) I am going to share about a, um, I am a mother, and I am going to share about a woman. So that's your Mother's Day sermon. Uh, Last week, Adam opened up a new uh, series called Gravity, and it's about the people that Jesus drew to himself. What kind of people did Jesus attract to himself? Uh, he reached out to be beyond the religious crowd. He reached out to the marginalized, the ones on, that are pushed aside, and he brought those people in. And then the big question is, how do we be like him? How do we attract people to us? What is it that's attractive about him? And uh, let's see, Granny i got to talk about Granny because it's Mother's Day. Granny always said, you, I bet your Granny did too, don't drink, what is it? Don't cuss, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't hang out with boys that do. <laughs> and by that she meant don't sleep with boys that do. I knew. And I followed the rules. Uh, I did follow the rules. And thank God that's, that, that, that kind of instruction did save me a lot of heartache. I am sure. But that alone is not holiness. Jesus was holy. He followed all these rules that, that the Jews had. But that was not the part of the holiness that people were attracted to. So what is it? Religion can be repulsive, but holiness is attractive. And Jesus wasn't concerned about being cool or fitting in. He didn't care what people thought about him when he reached out to the marginalized. So how do we tap in to that kind of attractiveness, that that magnetic pull to bring people in, people on the outskirts? All right, let's we're going to look at John 4, 1 through 9, the Samaritan woman. See, I told you we would talk about a girl. Oh. Jesus help uh, me pause and say, please help me uh, not to ramble uh, like I've been doing for 10 minutes, Um, but help us to see what's in your word and what you have for us today. Speak too deep to our hearts through your word. I'm sorry, Labriska. I'm afraid I don't have an answer to God. <laughs> I just wanted to know what time it was. Good grief. All right. <laughs> All right, John 4, uh, 1 through 9. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 
Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a, woman, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, uh, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So we're talking about how Jesus attracted people on the, on the outside of the game. And I wanted to point out first, because, again, it's Mother's Day, that Jesus was tired. How many mamas are tired? You've been up all night. We, we're up all night nursing. We get up early because they want to watch cartoons. We have to feed everybody breakfast. We run round and round and round. And we work all day long, and then they finally go to bed, but they need a cup of water, and they need somebody else to tuck them in. You're tired. Jesus was tired, too. He was on a long journey, and he needed to sit down and rest, but he didn't he didn't look over the person in front of him. Sometimes I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm worn out with just my daily grind, and I don't see the one in front of me. And I don't take time to talk to the person that the Lord's put in my path because I'm tired. But the first thing I wanted to notice is that Jesus attracts people because he's selfless, and he reaches out to another person even though he's tired. And number two, Jesus went to Samaria, and this is a place where his people didn't go. So you think about, in our lives, the, thing, the, the place where you're not supposed to go, right? That part of town, that location, that person's house, that's the place you don't go. And Samaria was that to Jesus. And Samaria was in between... Um, where Jesus was at and where he needed to go. But what I've read is that most of the, the Israelites during this time would go around Samaria because of the past feuds, the historical and cultural feuds, and also because there would be skirmishes. Like, you don't go through this area because you're liable to get robbed or beat up or just, in general, treated bad. But Jesus was willing to go straight through the place where no one was supposed to go, not his people. You weren't supposed to go there. And I want us to ask ourselves some questions like this. So if you want to take your phone and not talk to Siri. Oh, I said it again. She'll probably talk. Um, but write down a note, like a note to yourself. Let's ask, let's ask Holy Spirit, where is the place that I've been afraid to go? And let, that, let him just speak to you in that. Where is God asking me to go? And I'm not even talking about, you know, a mission trip to China or anything like that. I'm just saying right here, this week, where, God, where do you want me to go? Where have I been avoiding that you want to use me? Now, another thing, so Jesus was tired, and he looked past that, and he went to a place where he wasn't supposed to go. Uh, another, the third thing is, he initiated the conversation. And I had this 
really crazy experience one time um, where I didn't initiate the conversation and a miraculous thing happened. And that, that can totally happen. I used to live in, or I lived in Beirut, Lebanon for one year. Had so many cool stories happen to me there. And one of the coolest was I was in a taxi just going to my friend's house and a lady who I, I was too tired to initiate conversation with, right? I was, I was just ignoring her. She was in the back of the taxi with me. And she said, are you a follower of Jesus? Now, I'm in Beirut. There, they were where I was. It was all Muslim people, and people didn't ask you that. So I was like, yes. Why do you ask? And she said, I had a dream about you last night. What? That happens in the Bible. <laughs> but not to me. And she said, would you come to my house and tell me everything you know about Jesus? Sure. I'm going to call my friend, tell her I'm not coming over because I'm going to your house. And that's like the Zacchaeus, you know, the little Zacchaeus thing we heard last week where Zacchaeus has him to his, Jesus to his house. And that it was a miraculous story. But that is the only time that's ever happened to me, and it may never happen again. Usually, when I'm reaching out to someone else, it takes my initiation. And so if, you're, if we're the kind of people who are always waiting around for someone else to ask us to explain Jesus to them, that may never happen. So Jesus initiated the conversation. We need to be willing to step out of our comfort zone and reach out to people who are on the margins, who are not sitting here at church today. Now, another thing about this Samaritan woman that Jesus was overlooking, things that he, he was overlooking social boundaries. I'll give you several examples. There's lots of social boundaries he was breaking in this conversation. The first one was race. The Samaritans, from what I understand, were northern Israelites who intermarried with foreigners. And that was a big no-no in their culture. So this was an, uh, uh, a biracial situation, and that was someone you didn't talk to if you were an upstanding Jew in this time. So Jesus was totally overlooking that social boundary. He did not care. He was willing to cross racial boundaries. And how many of us cross racial boundaries each week? How many of us just kind of stick with our own race? When do you cross over and, and reach out to someone who looks different than you? And when do we look past cultural differences? Not just race. Maybe race isn't an issue with you, but people who aren't as cool as you or don't hang out with people that you hang out with or uh, who don't believe just like you believe, who don't fit into your circle, how many days do we get past that circle and reach out to people with different social, difference, uh, cultural differences? <clears throat> uh, the Samaritan woman also had religious differences because the Samaritans... Uh, believed in only following the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, whereas the Jewish people in Israel were following the entire Old Testament. Uh, so think about this. Uh, 
when do you hang out with someone from another denomination? Uh, Church of God or Church of Christ. When, when do the Baptists and the Catholics hang out? This is, what, this is the kind of social boundary that Jesus was crossing. He was saying, it's okay that you're only reading these books and I'm reading these books. I'm going to talk to you anyways. I'm initiating this conversation. And the last thing that I pulled out of this was mor- morality. Jesus was overlooking some major moral issues, some sin issues. And I'm going to read about that right now. John 4, 10 through 18. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So we see that Jesus is willing to talk to a woman, a big no-no in his culture. Men and women did not get together unless they were in the same family. And he's not just talking to a woman, but he's talking to a woman with a reputation. This woman has had five ex-husbands, she says, and now she's living with a man. And this also would have been a thing that Jesus would not do. He was not supposed to do. But he was willing to overlook this morality issue. And more than just look overlook it, he's going to speak to it. He's going to address this issue. The Samaritan woman is stuck in her daily need. She's showing up at the well to draw her water at a time of day when nobody else is there because she does not want to deal with what they think of her what they're going to say to her or say about her. So she's just avoiding people. And Jesus is not letting her get by with it, you know? He's putting his finger on the issue. Jesus is talking about spiritual terms, and she is only concerned with her physical needs. You know, he's saying, I'm going to give you living water, and she's going back to talking about this well. I've got to get my water, and... I've got to get my dishes done. I've got to get the clothes washed. I've got, you know, I've got this, this, and this, and this, and this to do. And he's trying to speak into that daily need and provide something spiritual, but her eyes aren't open yet. And then he sticks his finger on the real issue that's going on in her life right now. She's stuck. She's stuck in her daily need. She's stuck in this sin, this, this life of separation from God these morality issues. And then she's even stuck in the past. So she talks about Jacob's well. 
He's trying to talk about living water, the spiritual thing. And she starts talking about the physical, the spiritual well that's there, that Jake, well, it's a real well, that <coughs> Jacob dug. So she's bringing up the past, right? So how many times have you ever talked to somebody and you kind of get into a deep place and they don't want to be there? So what they do is they bring up another subject. And that's what she's doing. So it would be like if I said, well, let, you know, let's talk about the real issue here. And this person said, well, you know, my mom and dad went to uh, the Baptist church in town, and here's what we did back then. And you're saying, but I'm trying to talk about the real issue. Well, but, you know, I got saved when I was seven, VBS. Well, but let's talk about the real issue right here. And people want to bring up the past. They want to sidestep sometimes what you're really trying to talk about. And that's what, that's what the Samaritan woman's doing. She's, she's kind of avoiding the issue. Uh, she has, this Samaritan woman is stuck in her daily need. She's stuck in sin. She's stuck in the past. She's stuck in the cultural, social norms. Jesus is willing to overlook those, but she's reminding him, you know. It's like, She's reminding him, hey, you're a guy, I'm a girl, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we're not supposed to hang out. And he doesn't care, he keeps pursuing her. Also, has anybody ever tried to talk to somebody and they want to use religious debate to get around the real issues? You know, Let's read from verse 19. She said, you know, Jesus is saying, here's, you have a, uh, you've had five husbands, you're living with someone who's not, you're not married to now. And then she replies, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worship, worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the, that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So he's trying to deal with the real issues, and then she brings up religious debate. Well, but, you know, you guys believe that you're supposed to worship on this mountain, and my people believe we're supposed to, you know. It's like in today's time, it would be like, well, but you guys are, y'all raise your hands, and they're a little charismatic, and that makes me nervous. And, uh, but, at, you know, at my church, we do readings as worship, and that's more comfortable. And Jesus is saying, that's not what we're... That's not the issue. That's not what we're talking about. Because one day none of that stuff will matter. We'll all worship together. Right? And then she, not just bringing up religion and the past, is now saying, well, let's talk about the future. Oh, yes, one day in the future there's going to be a Messiah. There's one day something else will happen. And he says, hey, you're trying to talk about the sweet by and by. I'll fly away. You know, the heaven experience. You're, wait, you're wanting to wait until then to, to see who I am. 
But guess what? I am the sweet by and by. I am your heaven experience right here in front of you. That's what he's saying. So let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit again to speak to us. We've asked him, where should we go? And now we're going to ask him, um, Holy Spirit, who are you bringing to our mind right now? Who are you showing us that we need to reach out to? Who is out there in the margins that's stuck? That's stuck in their daily grind? Can't see the spirit realm for their daily need? Who do we know that's stuck in their sin and can't even see it? Who do we know that's stuck in the past and can't, can't let go of the religious debates? Who do we know that can't see past their, the cultural social norms? And who do we know that's waiting for something else? They're just, well, I'll deal with that one day. Who do we know? Holy Spirit, remind us of someone right now. <clears throat> if, if the Lord's bringing someone to your mind, write that down or write that down. And maybe this week we can be like Jesus to these people, to these persons. And here's how Jesus reaches out. We've already talked a little bit about it, but in, in these verses I just read, Jesus pursues on the wrong side of town, he pursues even when he's tired. He pursues people who don't act or look like him. He pursues people who don't hang out in his crowd. He pursues people with questionable morals. And then he doesn't become like them, right? because that would defeat the purpose of the pursuit. He doesn't become like them. He invites them in to become like him. And one of the ways he did that is through a prophetic word, really. She notices him as prophet. He isn't afraid to offend her culture. He isn't afraid to speak the truth to her. He isn't afraid to call out the thing that is holding her down. He isn't afraid to shine a light in this dark place. People are attracted to light. They are attracted to holiness. People don't want to be stuck. Most of them and us who are stuck in things, we don't even realize we're stuck, right? People are attracted to the light. So what is, this, what is a prophetic word? For those of you who haven't been with us long, you may not even know what I'm talking about. But Jesus is like calling out who she is and where she's at. And we believe here that uh, Jesus still does that through us. We can be like Jesus. Now, I don't advise you to go up to people and call out their sin. Oh, I saw what you did. Oh, you know, Jesus is saying right now that you, let me tell you what you've been doing. This is not what I mean. <laughs> What I'm talking about is calling out who the person really is, how Jesus sees them. It's like encouraging someone with truth 
that may not even be happening yet. It's the truth of who Jesus wants them to be. And I have an example of that. I asked a couple of people in the church to send me um, texts of stories when they gave a prophetic word out in public. Like, this sounds crazy, right? But one, one story was without names. A, a girl from our church was at Subway, and she saw this guy working at Subway, and she felt the Holy Spirit really talk about his love for this guy and who he really was. And so she just said, hey, I feel like I have a word from the Lord for you. And let's just see. Let's see. So she, she says, Jesus sees you as a really good father. I see you holding the hand of your child, and you love that child so much, and you are a good dad. And it turns out the truth in the moment was this guy was a deadbeat dad. He was not taking care of his kid. He was not following Jesus. He was completely stuck in his own stuff. But when she gave him that word that was not yet happening, it changed his life. And he actually met Jesus, not, not in that moment with her, but she found out later he met Jesus. He, moved, he quit his job, moved to Florida, got a new job, got custody over his kid, and became the great father that Jesus knew he could be. Yeah, that's a true story. Uh, another true story um, was one of our friends here, a guy. He was with his friends, and they were on purpose going to go out and give prophetic words, right? And all he saw, he thought it was the dumbest thing, but he saw this corn cob half shucked. And he's like, ah, don't know what I'm going to do with that. <laughs> so they go to Walmart and they're, you know, walking around trying to find people and somebody else engages this woman in the aisle at Walmart and then he looks over and this smart popcorn bag with the corn husk half shucked is sitting right next to this woman but out of place. It wasn't in the chip aisle. It was like next to salsa or something. And he he looks at that and he realized oh, Jesus was cared about what we said to this woman even before we got here. He knew we would be in this moment. And so they gave this woman um, a word from the Lord, and it turned out she, it was what she needed to hear to go be a missionary or go spend time in Africa. And then she came back and is now living here, not here with us, but here in the States. And also... I, from my own personal stories, I'll say that before I was a mother, I was begging God to be a mother. And I wasn't married yet, and um, I felt like it was a long waiting game. Some of you have pursued way longer than me. Um, but I had a friend, many um, of you know, Joe Hurchin, and he was praying over me at some point, and we were in a big group, and he was praying for me, and he said, I, I just saw a picture of you. I feel like Jesus says you're like Mary Poppins holding an umbrella and you're floating up in the air. And this, this doesn't sound like my personality either. but You're floating up in the air and you're holding the hand of a child who's holding the hand of another child. And it goes on and on and on and you're floating up to heaven and you have this long string of children coming behind you. And they're all different colors from all different nations. And that, and then, oh, and then he said, 
Mother Labriska, Mother Teresa, Mother Labriska, Mother Teresa, Mother Labriska, Mother Teresa. And if you know Joe Hurchin, you know what, you know, Mother Labriska, Mother Teresa. And that, that word touched me so deeply, it still affects my life today. Because even though I have four children that I've given birth to, I know that in the spirit there's something even bigger than that, that a, a call to mothering that looks way different than what I've been able to produce physically, you know? So my point is that people need to hear from the Lord. People out there, you guys came here to hear a word from the Lord. I hope you heard one. But, but people out there need to connect. They need him. Hmm. In the end of the story, this story of the Samaritan woman, she, um, she was impressed by this psychic power, right? This, this prophet, the psychic. And, and she was sidestepping and trying to avoid the real issues at points. But she was impressed. She was attracted to this holiness. But something must have changed. She must have got a taste of this living water because she runs into town. She runs right into town, the town people she's trying to avoid. She's running back to the people who've called her a whore. And she's saying, come look at this man. This man who must be the Messiah, the one we waited for. Come look, come see. She became, she went from a woman stuck, stuck in sin, stuck in a life of need and stuck into an evangelist, the first, one of the first woman evangelists, into a town that hated her. She must have drank the Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> she must have drank the Kool-Aid. So let's look back one more time at what Jesus said about the Kool-Aid. I have an obsession with water. You see this thing? I drink like three or four of these a day, and I'm not even diabetic. I know, way to break the mood. But this is my object lesson of the day. I have to have these with the kids' ministry, visual A. And just like we need water or we die, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. This one. If you drink this water, you'll get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Samaritan woman was thirsty, and we are thirsty. Our spirits are thirsty, even when we don't realize it. And a lot of times we don't. Oh, Jesus is this river, this living water. There's other scriptures that point to the fact that this living water he's talking about is the Spirit. We offer a drink to the people around us of the water, the living water that lives within us. John 7, 38 and 39, you all know this one? 
Brian quotes this one all the time in the kids' ministry. Jesus says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit. So we have this, if you have Jesus in you, you have this river, this bubbling river, living water. It's inside of you. It's in your belly. It's stirring up. And you offer this drink to people everywhere you go. But they'll be offended, you say. Yeah, it's not culturally correct. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it, it offends our philosophy. What do you mean drink living water? doesn't make sense. And they'll want to argue about their religion, right? You offer them a drink. Ah, well, we don't do that at our church. We don't drink water there. <laughs> but Jesus says, just drink. If anyone's thirsty, come and get a drink. Believe in me. The water will well up. It'll bubble up within you, and it'll flow from within you. Thirsty people need drinks, right? Y'all feel it? Brian always says, touch your belly. This way he tells the kids, touch your belly. Feel this living water flowing in there. When you quench your, your thirst, then you can realize that other people need a drink. It's like riding on the airplane. You've got to put your mask on first, and then you can help the other people. Drink the water, and then you're going to see how thirsty people are around you. You share your drink, right? Mama said don't do that because that spreads germs, right? This water. But with this living water, share it. Share it. Get a drink and then share it. Then it becomes communal. This spiritual living water within us becomes a corporate drinking experience. Like in Acts 2, when they got filled with the Spirit... And some made fun of them and said, they're acting like a bunch of drunks. But they weren't drinking alcohol. They were filled with this living water. And it was bubbling up. And things were happening. And they looked kind of silly. You know? People were making fun of them. But that's okay. Get full. Get full of this water. And then when you get filled up, then let it go slosh out on people at Kroger. Yeah, just get full. And then it just naturally like sloshes out. Hmm. Be attractive. How was Jesus attractive to people? He was the living water. And they were thirsty people. So how do you become like Jesus and be attractive to the people around you? You get full of the living water. Thirsty people are going to need it. Yeah. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.